Data Masters is the go-to place for data enthusiasts. We speak with data leaders from around the world about data, analytics, and the emerging technologies and techniques data-savvy organizations are tapping into to gain a competitive advantage. Our experts also share their opinions and perspectives about the height and overhyped industry trends we may all be geeking out over. Join the Data Masters podcast with your host, Anthony Dayton, Data Products General Manager at Tamer. Welcome to another episode of Data Masters. Today's guest is Adam Wilson, Senior Vice President and General Manager for the Alteryx Analytics Cloud. Alteryx unifies analytics, data science, and business process automation in one end-to-end platform to accelerate digital transformation and shape the future of analytic process automation. Away from Alteryx, Adam keeps himself busy as a limited partner at Greylock and Ridge Ventures. He's also a Technology Executive Council member for the CNBC Technology Executive Council and an investor and strategic advisor for Mach 5 Software. Welcome, Adam. Great to be here. Thanks for having me. So I thought we would start at the very beginning and we'll sort of talk about the founding story of the startup you founded, Trifacta. And listeners may or may not be aware that there's some overlap between the founding story of Trifacta and of Tamer. So, but maybe share in your words how you came to be a part of Trifacta and the sort of founding story Trifacta. Yeah, it's very interesting. So Trifacta was actually started as a joint research project between a professor at Stanford focused on human-computer interaction and visualization and a professor at Berkeley that was focused on databases and distributed computing. So that was uh, Jeff Hare and Joe Hellerstein, kind of luminaries in their areas. And they had a shared grad student, Sean Candell, who was doing work in and around this idea of you know, how do we enable people who know the data best to do some of this very, you know, complex work around data wrangling? And I guess the tie to, to Tamer was that early on, Joe, who had been a student of Mike Stonebreaker along the way, were sitting around the kitchen table talking about how this was such a huge problem. And maybe it would make sense to even just do a company together focused on this. And as it played out, I think Joe felt very passionately about thinking through kind of how does the human in the loop, how do we really think about kind of a more of a co-pilot kind of approach to solving the problem? I think Mike at the time, and this is again in the early origins of these companies, was a little more like, how do we get the machines to do more of the work? So there was a little bit of a philosophical difference in approach, although I think probably with the passage of time, you know, elements of both ideas crept into both companies in pretty meaningful ways. But it was really you know, for Trifacta, those sort of that early formative experience of like, how do we turn this into a user experience problem kind of powered by machine learning that led to Stanford Data Wrangler, which within, you know, six months, there were 50,000 people using it. And that's when, you know, our good friends at Excel and Greylock came knocking and said, hey, guys, we think there's a real company here, not just an academic prototype. And it was professors took sabbaticals and Sean wrapped up his degree in a hustle and uh, jumped out, you know, to do the company for real. Yeah. And it was quite a ride. So you guys built an amazing product. I was actually a user of it in its early days. But then about a year and a half ago, Alteryx announced the acquisition of Trifacta. And now you've been working, as I suggested in the introduction, you've been working at Alteryx and really sort of bringing the two ideas 
the concept of Alteryx and the concept of Trifacta together. And so maybe talk a little bit about what it means to bring these two companies together, how that's changed what you're doing and what the products are doing and how the two really work together to add a lot of value from a customer's perspective. Yeah, it was interesting for us along the way. So, you know, over a almost eight or nine year journey from the original academic project to bringing on first customers and, you know, starting to really, you know, finding product market fit and then, you know, beginning to scale the business and, you know, signing up strategic partnerships like Google who brought Trifacta to market as a Google branded service. First time in their history, they'd ever done that. You know, there were all these amazing milestones along the way. But what was interesting is as we were getting into accounts and as we were starting to see meaningful expansion, you know, Altrix, it was in every account that we were in. And it was, we didn't necessarily bump into them head to head a lot. And so it was obviously a very successful uh, brand and company that I was very aware of. But, you know, they were landing with end users in the line of business. They were taking a lot of work they were typically doing with files and automating that in really meaningful ways. But like going to, you know, People more like business users, accountants, you know, researchers, analysts, and helping them understand like you can now create your own data products and you can do that in a very self-service way. So again, very akin to a lot philosophically, a lot of where Trifacta, you know, had come from, you know, and, but yet we were going in through IT organizations. And so we were often part of data modernization initiatives where people were thinking about what is cloud going to mean to data and analytics? And, you know, how do I contend with increasingly larger and more complex data sets? And how am I going to use machine learning and AI to kind of speed up everything and to allow us to take some of the most complicated things and automate those, you know, because every data set's not a new data set. Odds are somebody has seen something like it before and you can even learn as the user interacts with the data. And so coming through IT with these modernization exercises, Alteryx had really won hearts and minds of end users, you know, in the line of business. And so when Mark and I first had a discussion and we got connected through some shared connections in the VC. There were board members that Mark had had, Palo Alto Networks, who were involved with Trifacta. They said, you guys should meet up. You know, Mark had just taken the reins at Altrix. And as we sat down, it was really interesting because we were realizing like a lot of what we were trying to do was solving a lot of the same kinds of problems, really, you know, shared a vision, you know, for how we could democratize a lot of this work that had historically been the exclusive purview of the highly technical, you know, had been coming at it from very different ways. And so, you know, for Mark, it was like, I want to accelerate everything we're doing with cloud, you know, and go bigger, faster. And for Trifact, it was like, hey, we've got this really great cloud solution, but we're a small company, you know, we need awareness and distribution. And so it was a little like, huh, this seems kind of perfect. So pretty quickly, hey, maybe this is interesting and maybe we can combine forces and help each other out in meaningful ways to, you know, over the course of, I don't know, about a six month period or so, you know, becoming one company. And I think, you know, for me personally, and for really for the entire, you know, Trifacta team, for the Trifacta customers, it's been amazing, you know, to now come in and now being part of a larger public company. Trifactor really became the foundation, the platform for Altrix Analytics Cloud. And so not just for prep and blend, but also for auto machine learning capabilities, auto insights capabilities, location intelligence capabilities, a lot of applications kind of plugging into that platform and leveraging 
you know, eight, nine years of uh, hard knocks and experience that we'd sort of earned, you know, in the market. And so a lot of that original thesis, you know, very much played out, you know, it's like, can this accelerate, you know, not just in weeks, months and quarters, but literally in many years, the ability to deliver meaningful and integrated, you know, cloud solutions to the market. And so we've been super busy with that over the last 12 months and have already launched better together offerings, you know, based on this. And for us, you know, also just saw you know, an ability to now do things, you know, kind of in a bigger way on a bigger stage with increased investment, more specialization that has been incredibly powerful for us. So it's been a lot of fun. It's been a crazy busy year one, as you can imagine, just all the sort of post integration things that happen when you stitch together kind of two companies, two cultures, you know, in a variety of technologies, but it's also been really rewarding. And I think we're headed to our user conference here later this month and going to be unveiling, you know, a whole set of new ideas and applications that, you know, really came out of that collaboration, you know, over the last 12 months. That's awesome. So it sounds a lot like this idea of accelerating Alteryx moves in the cloud, that thesis really played out positively. And this idea that we want to empower, and I love this word, democratize. We want to sort of empower end users to work with data in a very tangible way through the user interface and through the take advantage of the scale and compute that you get on the cloud. Is that a fair way to sort of bring the two together? Yeah, absolutely. And I think that to some extent, if you think about self-service and you think about democratization broadly, a lot of it is about removing frictions and barriers, and cloud is great at that you know, all of a sudden, a whole bunch of the complexity that companies bump into, especially as the data volumes get larger, as the data diversity gets increases, you can leverage a lot of cloud services to sort of abstract, you know, from some of that, or at least inflect that back in a way that the end users don't have to contend with it so much. And so I think that has been created a lot of opportunity then to, you know, sort of rethink like, all right, well, you know, where is this work being done? Who's doing this work? And how do we do it sort of most effectively and most efficiently? And so most of the organizations I talk to are looking at over the next few years, you know, doing substantive portions of their data and analytics work in the cloud. It's interesting though, because not all, right? Meaning not so much, most of the customers I talk to are, but not all of the work is contemplated to go to the cloud. Many of the larger organizations are pretty committed to hybrid, pretty committed to the idea that like, hey, some of this is going to stay on-prem for a variety of reasons. Sometimes it's, you know, related to security. Sometimes it's just related to, you know, certain internal processes and efficiencies that they gain by doing work on-prem. So you're seeing this kind of interesting blend where, you know, more aggressive moves to the cloud than ever before. At the same time, some organizations retrenching, you know, certain types of workloads around, you know, doing that work kind of in their own data centers. So interesting. So I want to pull on that thread a little bit. We've talked a little bit about Trifacta and, and now Alteryx. So if you step up a little bit and think about data in the enterprise. So you've talked about one trend, which is the move of data to the cloud, and you've pointed out, rightly so, I think, that it's really a hybrid approach, some data on the cloud, some data still on-prem. But if you step back and think about what you see going on in data and analytics today, but one trend, what are some of the other trends that you see going on in data and analytics? Well, I'm surprised we've gotten this far into the conversation without somebody saying chat GPT or open AI. <laughs> I was at dinner here in San Francisco the other night and the waiter walked up to the table and 
was just kind of introducing himself and asked what what line of work I was in. I said, I work in technology. And he immediately started asking me about ChatGPT. And I was like, okay, if now this is like the dinner conversation I'm having with my waiter in San Francisco, like, you know, that this has become pretty pervasive. So, but yeah, no, I mean, I think, you know, to me, you sort of look at, you know, this is very of the moment, but like you start looking at that as a trend and, you know, so what are we doing, right? We're creating kind of even increasingly user-friendly interfaces to do complex things, you know, so not to oversimplify it, but, you know, the idea that, hey, this is going to replace some kind of manual tasks or going to enable a broader set of users to go in and, you know, ask and answer more complex questions. I think that's pretty magical and that's super exciting. I think that, People always you know, sort of ask, okay, well, does this replace people? Does it replace jobs? And I'm like, mm, you know, we've kind of seen these trends, more abstraction, more automation, you know, more user-friendly experiences, kind of, we've seen waves of them over decades, right? And in each case, you know, it has tended to replace, you know, certain activities, often time-intensive activities, often very painful and manual activities. But it's not a replacement for the creativity, you know, of the person that ultimately is making the business decisions or asking the questions. And I think, you know, for me, that's always been so core, which is like, you know, context matters, you know, the ability for people to think creatively matters. And, you know, there's a lot distance between questions and ideas and being able to kind of get at the data that will help welcome uncertainty into your business, cater to long tail segments in your market, manage and model risk better. And anything we can do to close that gap is beneficial, frees people up, you know, again, implement a lot of the, you know, the business insights, you know, and to take action on those insights. And so I think I just sort of look at it as yet another thing that we will sort of add to our arsenal. And I think that the market is trying to figure out how to do that in a responsible way because the technology is changing so quickly and there's so much, you know, heat on this right now that, you know, I, I talked to the CTO of a major bank last week who just said, we shut it all down because we just don't fully understand it yet. Right now, we're more worried about the risk than the benefit. But he believes deeply that there is benefit, but he's kind of looking for the ecosystem, you know, companies like Tamer and, and Altrix and others to like, that are trusted, that have been in there doing a lot of this kind of work for them, you know, for many, many years to help demystify, help integrate and incorporate and like kind of help them adopt this in a responsible way. And so I think the ecosystem, you know, a lot of us that are sort of on the bleeding edge or or more avant-garde have to like really help a lot of these large organizations, you know, start to think about ways in which they're going to get real benefits from it, but in a way that, you know, still, you know, provides the kinds of uh, governance and protection and controls that highly regulated, you know, environments like banks and healthcare companies are going to need. So I think that's a really good point. Maybe a slightly different way of saying that is in the application of these technologies that we see their real value and organizations are struggling with figuring out how to apply them. And the other, I think, important insight you're sharing there is the where we see automation and artificial intelligence stepping in is actually removing the worst and most boring work that we do which I think is very consistent with what the Alteryx Analytics Cloud is doing, what Tamer is doing, what Trifacta started to do, which is like, in general, working with data is a complete pain. It's boring, it's repetitive, it's frustrating, it's time-consuming. And if we could just 
not do that and actually focus energy on the interesting problem of you know looking at our business and understanding margins or whatever the the problem of the moment is yeah that actually probably be better yeah i mean we always used to talk about how you know at trifacta we were very proudly data janitors you know i think for us you know this was this idea of like hey it all starts with the data this recent trend underscores that massively right like if your data quality is bad then your machine learning your ai your algorithms are worthless and i think that this does create a burning platform to also like really start to think you know more comprehensively about how you're building your data products you know it starts to be a game of like who's got access to the most interesting sets of data and can bring those data sets together as quickly as possible in order to again get to unique insights and you know and god forbid that you know if you start automating using ai start automating bad decisions faster based on bad data right like i mean that you know so you just you have the to disaster do just happens faster <laughs> yeah that's right so you have to really careful that and i you know it's a, there's an example that i've shared in the past you know again going back to banking you know we work pretty closely with an algorithmic trading group and they were like listen you know these are data driven data savvy people but they're not necessarily structured programmers you know, they're like, I have a voracious appetite for different cuts of data combined in new and interesting ways because that would birth algorithms that I can trade on. And if I'm a little faster, I don't just win a little more of it. Like I win all of it for some period of time until everybody else catches up to what I'm doing. And so this is where you start seeing that like the frontier for competition now becomes, you know, can I find new and interesting data? Can I onboard that new and interesting data? Can I start to like, stitch it together in ways that will create training sets that will birth algorithms or that I can run across, you know, to get these unique insights. And, and if you can speed that process up, you know, that's this, that's not just an operational savings, like do more with less message. That's a top line, you know, beat your competition and win more share and do better for your customers, you know, kind of message. And that's ultimately really powerful. So I think these trends that we're seeing right now, just you know, put an exclamation point on the importance of the data strategy. You know, kind of the data platforms and foundations, the being able to do these things at scale, and really emphasizes things like data quality more and more. Amazing points. And another element of the GPT phenomenon is the chat part of the Chat GPT, and this is one I think doesn't get talked about as much. But the very fact that you might have a waiter in San Francisco or you know a random family member talking to you about engaging with a large language model in this specific instance through a chat interface means that this idea of artificial intelligence to for people to engage with on a daily basis to do things like write poems and you know silly things almost it takes it out of the scientific department and puts it into the general public and that's a little bit of, I think, when we see these technologies become widely adopted, it's when they become something that everybody sort of understands. And you understand things by playing with them. With that as a backdrop, and you're also involved in a number of different venture funds. It's an interesting time, as they say, a euphemism in the VC space today. I'm curious on what you see going on in venture capital. Is anyone getting funding? You know, and maybe even in the data and analytics space generally, like what kinds of beyond GPTs and large language models, what you see going on in the VC space? Well, what's interesting is that 
I don't know what you read a lot about these days is how there's a sort of an extinction event that's happening and, you know, nobody can get financed and, you know, everyone probably didn't slow down their burn fast enough, you know, we're sort of overvalued and under ARR'd. And, you know, so now it's just creating all these like, you know, negative effects and making it really hard on organizations. And I think there's a lot of truth to a bunch of that, right? So it's not, but the one thing that I think is specifically interesting in this area of data and AI is that there is an emerging, you know, idea that a whole new class of applications is going to be born out of this. And that if you didn't build from the ground up with these fundamental assumptions of what can be done with, you know, large language models and what can be done with some of these new interfaces, that maybe some of the legacy CRM applications, SFA applications, you know, will have a hard time bolting that on you know, and being competitive. It's like, you know, what if your HR systems could tell you when people, you know, should, are likely to leave or could tell you when it's time to think about, you know, promoting them and it could recommend skills that they needed to develop and and training and curriculum. Like, you know, can you actually sort of take something that sort of doesn't start with data and analytics from an application layer at its core and with AI sort of at its core and thinking about like in every single place where that could make whatever you're doing now better, faster, stronger. And can you sort of layer that in, you know, to some of these applications, you know, been around now, you know, for 20, 30, you know, even more, you know, for longer periods of time. And so I think there's excitement in the venture community that, you know, this is going to bring on another sort of wave of disruption that, you know, where you can build some meaningful, scalable, you know, businesses. And I think that's the stuff that, you know, VCs always get super excited about is these like these moments in time where you just see these secular megatrends or these market shifts that occur. And it's not just about, feeding the incumbents all the time. So I think it's in that sense it's a really exciting time. That being said, you know, and there's plenty of capital out there. It's not, you know, especially with, you know, what's been going on in the markets right now, people are looking for places to put money to get return. I think, you know, the hard part though is that everyone's having to like be much more grounded and realistic about, you know, what it's going to mean to raise around, what valuations are going to be and so I think adjusting expectations there is going to be crucial. I think you're going to see you're seeing a lot of organizations too that, you know, private equity becomes a viable option if they're out there, you know, because they're going to need to sort of recap and reset or they're going to need to combine forces and get stitched together with other assets in order to create something kind of more meaningful and more substantive. I think the days of like you know, thin slicing the analytics stack, which was again, I think also a VC fed thing where it was like, Hey, in order to do anything end to end, you're going to need 15 different products. And every one of these products all kind of said, yeah, you need one of me. And then one of them, like, I think those days are gone as well, where organizations are like, that's just too complicated. The tool chain kind of exploded, you know, too much, too fast. And there's too much headache and kind of coordinating across all of that. And so you're starting to see platforms become more prominent and organizations that have, you know, some critical mass where they can make long-term bets and then start to layer in other capabilities over time become more prevalent. And so I don't know, those are a few of the trends that I guess I'm I'm seeing. So I don't know if that matches, you know, what you're seeing as well. It definitely does. And so 
this move to startups needing to be more thoughtful about how they generate revenue and how they find customers and how they actually bring these technology to market is also maps nicely to the need for these technologies to solve real problems. Just because you've built artificial intelligence machine learning model in itself is an interesting, to use your example, if you apply it to the domain of your example, human resources, now it starts to get interesting because now I don't care that it actually uses machine learning under the cover. I understand that it solves a problem I have with retention or turnover. Great. That's a problem I'm willing to pay for. And at its core, all of these things are really about taking advantage of the data that the enterprise is generating and having better meaningful and scalable ways of being able to use that data to make better decisions and, and be more effective in the job. So probably this is a return to some version of normalcy, which itself will be a useful filter and accelerant to real innovation. Yeah, I agree. I think that's into your point about, you know, you think about all the interesting applications around, you know, fraud, you know, detection and insurance adjustment and cancer research and claims adjudication. And, you know, it's just like the, the richness of what's going to happen, I think, in the app space, but specifically in sort of the either vertical or kind of functional domains, I think, you know, there's going to be a whole bunch of ready problems where the degree of automation is going to just increase like massively, right? And it's going to be very targeted. It's going to be very specialized and it's going to be incredibly powerful. And I think that, again, I think that's super exciting. I think it's exciting for sort of everybody broadly, but I think coming back to your original question, I think that's in particularly compelling in the venture space right now. And you're starting to see a lot of early stage investments in companies that are taking that kind of approach. It's not lost on me as well that for those of us who are, you know, kind of broadly in the data space, like, you know, we're sort of arms dealers to that segment as well, right? Because like every single one of those products, those applications, those vertical initiatives all need to be able to get the data together quickly. They need to be able to like make sure the data is appropriately cleaned. But then also it's like even generating some of the insights. Like, you know, we get to a point now in one of the products that I'm very involved in at Altrix is an auto insights product. And the whole thesis is like, why can't the data sets tell you what's most interesting about them? Like, why do you have to wander the data set or why do you have to stumble across the, the dashboard that might have the answer to a question that you have? Like, why can't just this be continually happening as new data comes in, the data sets are surfacing kind of what's, you know, where are the anomalies, where are the trends? They're already doing all the dimensional analysis for you and coming back and saying, these are the things we think you ought to pay attention to, right? Or this is where you should probably dig in. You know, it's like that kind of automation, you know, kind of moves beyond you know, kind of static reports and dashboards and moves beyond, you know, what you've historically seen and, and really empowers, again, the end user now, it gives them a running start and gives them like a place to sort of focus their exploration. And I just think to me, that's the really interesting stuff that you're starting to see happen that I think is going to be transformational to what's going on in analytics. Heavily dependent on machine learning and the cloud. I mean, ultimately, those are the enabling technologies that allow these differentiated user experiences to blossom and to be available. Well, look, Adam, a real pleasure. I appreciate you sharing the founding story of Trifacta and the journey to Alteryx and interesting success that we've been having together and to really help to transform the data and analytics space and interesting commentary on the venture community and what's going to take us into the future. So thanks for your time today. Thanks for having me. It's always good to reconnect and certainly a lot of fun. 
Data Masters is brought to you by Tamer, the leader in data products. Visit tamer.com to learn how Tamer helps data teams quickly improve the quality and accuracy of their customer and company data. Be sure to click subscribe so you don't miss any future episodes. On behalf of the team here at Tamer, thanks for listening. Thank you.